Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. No Man City thrashing to talk of today, but no win or draw either. That cancellation mean we, means we have to speak about the whole debacle. Not too much, though. And with the cup game against Southampton to preview, where we should see some new faces. Some familiar faces in the studio. Craig Clark off a Roker report. Seemed like you were a, a regular one-point Craig, but is, is it a while since you've been here? Or um, was, that, was that not true? I don't think it was is it that long you were that, Is it because you were <laughs> that regular before? It was, it definitely, it was like in January, because uh, we're definitely discussing uh, Scott Goal. So really? it must have been in January. Um, you must have just been every other week before that, so you just, I think it just so. feels like you haven't yeah. been here <laughs> now. Tom Lane, former editor of the Wayside Raw, is here as well. Tom, were you at Wembley for our last League Cup final? Uh, yes, I was. Yeah, I was there in 73 as well. Do you want to disclose how old you were? Oh, no. <laughs> I was 15 in 73, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, as I mentioned, the podcast content might be a little thin on the ground this week due to a game that was a write-off, an actual write-off, and one that needs to be tread like one, the whole City game, of course. Man City, um, if we can have any thoughts on a, on a game that was postponed, Gareth, would, I'd like to hear what people's thoughts are now on the backlog of fixtures this is going to cause, because Gareth, you had a, an interesting theory on, on how it could be a good thing, right? Well, I was just thinking that if we... Uh we might avoid that sticky run of fixtures if we lose a Man City game I know we have to play them both later and if we win at the weekend the Liverpool game gets moved so that three that Arsenal um, after obviously Man City Arsenal then Liverpool game would be dispersed I guess it would depend when the, they'd fit the other two games in um, the Man City and Liverpool ones if we can win at the weekend but so it might not be such a bad thing if it's like if sandwiched perhaps if it was going to cause a losing losing momentum or something if well, or was that too negative to think we would have assumed we would have went to Man City and got beat last night? <laughs> no, no, well, I don't think it's about losing momentum. I just, I don't know. Like it's it's tough, isn't it, when you've got those games in a row? We found that at the start of the season, we know what it's like, but it's a bit different under Poyet, I think. But. Mm. I like know what, a, what do you you like to think about that Greg, a fixture build up, or do you see it as a positive <coughs> thing? Has Gareth spun it for you? Well, I did have exactly the same thoughts as Gareth, but I also had the other side of the coin, which is they're going to get rearranged to later in the season. And mm. look what happened to Wigan last season. There was a, yeah. a lot of extra games for them in a condensed period of time. And also, if you're playing, in theory, winnable games, instead of building up a nice run of results, a nice run of wins, hopefully you might get them interspersed with defeats against the bigger sides. Will the squad last that long? I mean... If you, re- if you were going to write these games off anyway, maybe it is better to play them later, but I just wonder, if you look at the example of Wigan, mm. maybe not such a good thing. Something worries you, Tom, fixed your backlog? Not too much at the moment. Um, obviously, if we get through the FA Cup game against Southampton, you know, potentially a replay or you know, another two or three games get added into the mix, then I think, yeah, psychologically there probably is problems, but I wasn't too bothered about the match being postponed last night. Um twofold really one Wes Brown will be back when we play them hopefully um, and I think the other thing was uh, too much emphasis on this dress rehearsal for Wembley Wembley would be like a fresher game now so I'm not really that bothered about not playing them last night I think I think that, that went through my mind as well because like, for a while it's been like oh this could do this Man City game after the cup final because you, you didn't just, want any result yeah. positive or negative yeah. to have a bearing yeah. on to have a bearing on that we just don't want to you don't want to have a you know, because it would be like ifs and buts after the game, and then after Wembley, it would be ifs and buts about the game yeah. before Wembley. So, I don't think we should be too defeatist either about the, the you know the caliber of opposition we were going to be playing in the next three games. If we played City last night, if we you know if we do play Liverpool, etc. Um, because recently, you know, we've we've played very well against Chelsea in the league and the cup, beat them in the cup, um, beat Man United in the cup, and then we're lucky to actually. Lose the you know the second leg of the semi final result wise obviously we won on penalties a, a aggregate score I think we're, we're doing quite well we had that blip last week against Hull but uh, generally we've beaten some good teams in recent weeks it seems to point. be as well that the te- the teams that was Hull against Hull 
I know there was an extenuating circumstance with regards to Wes Brown's decision, but um, you, you, the teams that seem to be better, we seem to play better against. We got more space. Um, you know that they seem to, you know, be very methodical on the task on the pitch. Um, and it's when it comes to maybe breaking teams down that we've struggled at, at times, and that maybe that's why we've struggled at home to teams on our level. Um, but when we've gone away from home, especially and played like Man United in, in the cup, like you say, dominated the second half. Um, really, we dominated the ball. Um, we weren't under a lot of pressure, and then in extra time as well. So, mm, well, it's definitely something we we have been seeing this podcast for a while. We are we are playing against sides who come at us better. There's no danger, Man City would have done that last night. That's for sure. I'm genuinely disappointed, Craig, that we didn't get to see Lee Catamall and Liam Brid could play together because I think Poyet hinted at um, the fact he, he those two could play together. Mm. Man City away would have been an ideal game to do it. I'm not sure you, you're going to. Are, you, are we likely to see that again? But Liverpool away, Arsenal away are possibilities as well. Yeah, I would have thought if they're going to get used together, it's going to be that type of game. Maybe if he's wanting a bit more of a proactive attacking element, he might go with like Colback. Although, you know, whether he's great at doing that, I'm not entirely sure. He has his moments, but I think I think the point is here playing the <laughs> playing the two of them. Um, you have we we spoke before. Catamol can sort of screen the defence, the old-fashioned sort of defensive midfield. Liam Pridd could can dictate the game a lot more. So, if, he, so if he's got two, if he's got two defenders, if a midfielder sitting quite deep, it will be an interesting combination. I think I would argue Catamol's probably better at driving forward. If anything, I mean he might not you know take shots at goal and I'd agree. You know, he's not I'd a creative I'd element but I'd he, agree in he does press I'd agree when he plays a midfield pair I'm not so sure when he he plays that deep well, line role. he's going to play Bridcut as the mm. as the holder well, I mean, he play two that's what I'm saying well if he plays two one of them still has to have some sort of forward momentum surely you can't have them just both sat there and I don't think Catamull's that great at just sitting he chases the ball there were moments against Hull, against Hull and I know you're going to talk about it like later but there was moments where in they were coming at us on the break and you're thinking why isn't Bridcut going to challenge the player and win the ball when they're countering around the halfway line then a couple of seconds later you realise why the guy makes a pass and Bridcut's come across he's read the move perfectly now that's the kind of player you want sitting in front of the back four Catamol probably would have gone like at the player when he, he's holding it on the on the halfway line that that's fine as well but maybe that's how they could work as a pair against better sides he's going after the player screening where, but Bridcut's doing the real holding role, mm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Dictating from deeper there. Exactly. I, th- I think Bridcut will be the one, you know, as long as it's not in cup games where he's cook, cook tied, um, I think he'll be the one who'll definitely sit in front of the back four. I mean, he was Poyer's main man at, uh, at Brighton playing in that position. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think Catlamore, um, his position, and I'd like him in, I would like him in the team, actually, in the current circumstances, because I think he, despite his, you know, his ill discipline sometimes, I think he does give us something when he's on form. And I think, you know, we've got some tough games coming up, especially these home games where it's becoming a bit psychological now. I think possibly need Catlamore in the team, so I think he's probably going to have to make a decision between probably Catlamore, Callback, and Key. Mm. Um, he's obviously going to play Johnson wide right, and you know, at the moment, Barini on the left. It's so I think he's got he's got some big decisions to make, um, and I don't think. A lot of people just seem to think Catlamore is going to be on the subs bench all the time now, but I think there's a role for him. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I would go along with that. I mean, Gareth, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've had this debate before saying, you know, could could Catamol and Bridcup play in the same side? I've, I've often said, like Craig said there, when Catamol plays in the centre, he, he, he is like a driving force of the midfield. Um, I suppose it just depends whether, whether Gus thinks he, they could play in the side, in that system, Catamol ahead, or whether they would both have to sit back. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Well, because because initially <coughs> before the transfer dead when when it looked like Catamol was going to leave, Gus Poyet said he was in he, he was looking forward to those two competing for a place, which kind of seemed to rule out mm. um, them playing together. But he since said you know the club could play on the same side. He might have just been speaking generally. I mean they're both playing midfield, you know, competing for a place. Um, you know, they're competing for a place in midfield because remember Catamol and Key. He said, Cat- he said that deep. He said that deep line mm. role. He did. But Catamol and Key. Catamol and Key have played in the same team and they've both played in this deep line role over at different periods. Um, but uh, I, I think Craig's right in what he says about what Catamol gives you in that um, the 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 fact that he's he's pressing the ball quite well. He likes to get get close to the ball, get close to players, put people under pressure. And I think that might those two would dovetail quite nicely, Bridcut and Catamore, where you've got somebody like Bridcut who reads the game quite well, Catamore harrying people, 
causing mistakes in the middle of the park and then Brid cooks just cleaning up a bit like actually um and Di did a similar, <laughs> similar hey! oh. and Di did a similar thing and Di did a similar thing actually when people pressed it he did actually read the ball, read the second ball quite nicely and and move it on and that that could be a way they could work together and um I think that would be I'd be happy to see like Tom says I'd be happy to see Cat all in but it wouldn't be the expensive key I think key has to play because oh, yeah, he offers definitely. so it would probably be for callback because as good as callback's been recently he's still inconsistent yeah mm. definitely he was he was excellent well, against Newcastle and then mm. last week I know we're down to 10 men but he didn't have a lot of influence on the game and that's when you looked at you know the players like him if he if he's you know he was even mentioned in, in terms of possibly attracting Roy Hutchins attention when he was at the match last week He's got to dominate games more than that. Having said that, so did Kay last week. He went missing mm, a little bit as well. <laughs> um, so, you know, this business, as I say, about Cat and Wall being on the bench um, doesn't wash with me. I think mm. he's, he's still there to give the people who are currently in good competition. I think um, if you've got Cat and Wall pressing as well, um, or hurrying, maybe it gives Bridcut a little bit more space to dictate the game from deep. If you want him spraying the ball around, what better than having Cat and Wall taking players out of the game with his tenacity yeah, and yeah. energy? Yeah. I think the beauty of the pair of them in the same team as well is that the, the both um, potential captain material, they both boss with the players around, whereas now and again certain circumstances, like last week, um, there was a few players in the central areas in particular who were too quiet for my liking. You know, mm. Sometimes you need to organise and, and cajole. And just, you know, I think Catamore, one of the reasons he didn't go, even if Poy in his heart to heart isn't thinking of playing him every week, he probably wants him in the dressing mm. room. Mm. Yeah, I think we're all agreed on that. What do we think about Liam Bridcut specifically? His performance against Hull. I thought um, <coughs> actually, I thought talk about Virginia Lane. I thought he did okay when he came on, but actually, the way the game was kind of panning out when we went to ten men, he just slotted in at centre back. Yeah. I was kind of thinking, well, you could probably leave him there for a bit because we do play kind of when when key drops in or whoever it may be to pick the ball up with the back four we weren't even though they were playing two up front it's we weren't under a lot of pressure an and he could have he could have just sat in there exactly and still retained the it's ball interesting, it's interesting because there was th- three opinions floating around the lads I got the match with and that was one of them at, at the time it seemed to be working okay didn't it still and he one, looked, one, one, one he opinion, very comfortable didn't he yeah one opinion was don't change it looks okay another one the popular opinion I've got to say was the one that actually that actually developed um, Barini getting mm. taken off because you've got to bear in mind how early it was in the game and we didn't want to get overrun the middle that actually happened there was a few different um, there was another one there was a few different theories kicking pe- people suggested maybe out the door off leave Barini to play on the shoulder I heard that one mm. as well yeah, yeah. and then yeah. take make, perhaps make their centre half redundant that would have been mm. interesting I and then if it wasn't working you can bring a physical presence in Wickham on later anyway yeah. so. I think in all those arguments with well. the change that was made last week was just leave Barini on the pitch Mm-hmm. Make changes elsewhere. Yeah, oh, I wasn't um, saying it was the right thing. I think a lot of people were just second guessing that I mean, what yeah. would happen. <coughs> it's it's, lo- it's a logical thing to yeah to do. Wasn't it was it? a logical yeah. thing to take him off, but the way Barini's been playing and the energy that he gave, and like you were saying, Tom, the energy did seem to drop off um, in the, in the middle of the park. I think they were just shell shocked all around. Like you could see, they never. They and just he's, didn't got, he's got a split second to make a call as I well, think, hasn't he? Yeah. I think if the players were, I mean, you'd never get them to say it, but I think if the players are honest with themselves, it was just like the feeling in the crowd. Most of that team will have been thinking, "Why is he taking Barini off?" Do you think? Yeah, I think they'll be definitely. thinking. I think a few of the lads. I know Bridcock came out and supported Brown, but maybe they're thinking, "Why did you do that?" Mm, well, because I'm interested in what people think on that. We we won't get into it too much because it's a debate that sort of wrangled on. But if I just go around and get a one word answer from everybody. Was Brown right to go for that tackle, Gareth? No. Great. No. Tom? No. No. Well, we're all in <laughs> agree. We're all in agreement. We're all in agreement because I've seen a lot of people say he was, and he was a defender, and it's been instinctive. But the split, the split. No, it's crazy. Having it's said crazy. that, it's easy. To, it's easy to stand here and say it that. Is, I mean, that's the is. way I feel. But we play football but ourselves. Yeah. You know, even if yeah. you play it non-league, mm-hmm. probably if we're truthful, most of us would have made an attempt. But but this is it's the this argument that's been put forward about it being a split-second decision. He's been playing football for 20 years. I mean, everyone on the ground was... I mean, I was sitting there going, just let him go. Yeah, yeah. Let the keeper do something. Yeah. Yeah. Go one I mean, he's not, he's not guaranteed to score. I think, like Tom says, bravado comes into a lot sometimes. Mm. Yeah, it was just a bit of a... Bravado's the wrong word, but it's... Uh, you know, maybe an ego thing. Yeah. Too early in the game, maybe. I'll, I'll you know? save us, yeah. I'll save us. The ref won't send us off this early in the game. <laughs> right, admit it, like, it, it was a silly you know, silly ball yeah. by Bardsley and they got caught, but you know, they, <clears throat> they'll be disappointed that they didn't, even with 10 men... Mm. Kind of put up a bit more of a fight. It, 
I just think they're kind of. I think they, they did okay, but they never they were never really threatening. And well, you, know, you say that, but it's it's one thing going down to ten men after like thirty minutes, forty minutes. It was eighty-seven minutes with ten men is a long time. Climbing, it's it. a long time. And when you're talking about maybe Bridcut staying at centre back, although he looked comfortable, I don't know against Jelovic. Mm. I know he's not the greatest striker, but he's he's capable in the air El Mohamed he was getting down that right that side a, that had a shelf like, it was working because we had a little bit of momentum um, with us at the time in, f- in regards to having a lot of the ball but that would have quickly changed I to think. be fair to five Hull, minutes we would have started to get overrun I think. to be fair to Hull though they did well they just overload that right that well their right side our left back they, did. they just like put two or three out there and it was like getting getting down the line because El, El Mohamed is their best outlet so it was just get getting outside and first game Alonso struggled defensively I think it, to be fair to him mm. though it was diff- that was diff- I mean he was up against two every time he was I think I, he struggled I, in other I games I occasionally I personally fleetingly. Think I think he struggled I think he looked a bit leggy when players were running at him yeah. I know what Gav's saying about them doubling up but well it wasn't it wasn't just um, that one against Fulham I'm talking the had, first 20 minutes of the game well. before he's had a chance for that to take effect phys- on his physical um, aspect anyway but um, Tom you touched on Virginia there Man City would have been, it would have told us a lot about him, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know it's you know again, again we're saying you know what we're talking about theoretically because the game wasn't on, but he looked okay, didn't he, against Hull? Man City would have told us a little bit more about him, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. For you know, with him starting against a team with I think they've scored sixty-eight goals or something at home, um, I, I think he looked very, he looked very composed. But at times, I thought. God, he looks—he's like too composed, too lackadaisical. But he, he, he tended to get away with most things he did. Although he did make one pretty bad rick just after he came on, where he sort of half cleared the ball to the middle of the penalty area where they potentially could have scored from. Um, First I, I few minutes in the Premier I, League. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, he's—he's he's got good pedigree, but you, it, you know, the, this is totally different from the Latin American game that he's come from, and I. I just hope that he is aware of, you know, I mean, he'll have been told by Poy and he's watched games himself how sort of fast and furious it is. Um, but it was like, at times, sort of heart-in-your-mouth stuff. I think you can only judge when you've seen him play two or three games in a row, you know. Definitely. I think it was the most disappointing thing, Craig, that, I mean, you have these games, every Premier League team has these games. We'll see, we saw that we went to Everton and got a win in similar-ish circumstances, mm. I suppose. So you do have these games... You need to write off occasionally from time to time. Poyet said it. We've said it. I think it's a, the common sense way of looking at things. Is it just a bit disappointing that it was against the side who's around us in the table? That's a thing, isn't it? I was just thinking that as you as you said it. Um, you looked at that game and you after beating Newcastle and you think this is a chance to to go out tenth, put a real bit of daylight between us and the bottom three, put one over your rivals at home, start to get a bit of momentum at home. And instead, I know the circumstances with the red card dictate that it was a really difficult game in the end. But then you start looking at other home games, and as previously mentioned in night so far, stuff about why I've struggled to break teams down at our level. And, and you look at some of these teams we've got coming up, like Palace, and they're playing well under Pulis, they're winning games, they're hard it's to break be hard. down. It's going to be a hard game. That and one. you just start thinking the away games that are left, there's only Norwich mm-hmm. you would think, right, we can go there and get three points. There's others where we might do, but that's the one you're going to earmark. And that home form has to. Come and it has to come now, basically. Big players for any big players for it, Gareth? Are you confident with it? The form, the home form. Well, are you confident with it? Well, it's not great, is it? But that it's going to discover. Gonna, well, they're going to rediscover it. Then I should have phrased. I don't know. Um, <coughs> it. I think sometimes, and this is probably this will probably go down like a lead balloon if people listen. But sometimes, <laughs> the certain sections of sport maybe that probably. Help maybe by not getting so anxious um, about things that we're trying to do. Um, we know we know that we're going to play out now, um, play across the back, keep the ball. That's going to happen. Um, and it's I think take time, Tom. I think still there's some people who struggle. Mm, exactly, with it. Tom. Obviously, you know, no disrespect. You know, I don't mean to be cheeky here, but you yeah. watch something a lot a lot longer than we have. Is, yeah. is, is it a culture thing? Is that going to take for the, some of the older fans? Is it going to how long is this going to take yeah, for them to sort I mean, of accept this? I mean, even Steve Bruce cheekily said in his press conference afterwards, didn't he, that it was typical Sunderland. And you know, as, as a Sunderland fan, as we're all Sunderland fans, it's always after the Lord Mayor's show every time we do well and they get everybody sort of hyped up. Um, there's normally disappointment at the end of it. You know, like early in the season when we beat Newcastle and we went down the hole and two sent off <laughs> and played terribly. And that you know the home form's almost becoming psychological now. You know we failed to beat Norwich. Uh, the Villa game was awful. Um, Hull game was awful. 
Stoke we won but you know we, it was really laboured I think um, it'll, it'll get to a stage hopefully where it's, it, it's proverbial or bust and uh, I, I think we've got the players and, and the manager to, to bring us through but God it's going to be some roller coaster. Right. I think it's um, a bit of a sort of you know we've, we've started the season and the whole crowd was behind the club I mean like the Fulham game we got beat 1-0 yeah. um, everyone was well behind it and I think that continued for a while and I know what you're saying about supporters sometimes getting on players' backs and a bit anxiety, but it's symptomatic of the fact we've got picked up, what is it, 11 points at home this season? It's hard for people to yeah. take. Mm. People do get worried and anxious because you, they've seen it all before. You live here and now as a football fan as well. Exactly, you yeah. can't really think of the big yeah. picture. You're turning up, you're, you're going out, you know, for your, your pre-match drinks or whatever, and you turn up the stadium and, and they're struggling and it's week in, week out. It's easier said than done, isn't it, sometimes? <coughs> Psychological for fans as yeah. well as players, I think. Yeah. There's obviously something in the players' heads somewhere along the line, not not just the Sunderland players. You know, I think we, we said before, it's a difference between decent run-of-the-mill players and the great players who can perform week in, week out, you know. And I think Villa so, so, seem to have similar problems. Yeah. That's true, yeah. Yeah. I saw Cardiff the other night v Villa and... They remind. I was like kind of watching that, and I was thinking they had a lot of gusto, and they, you know, had a good spell, and then they didn't score in the the spell that they had, and then yeah. they kind of Villa got back into the game, and then they were hanging on at the end. I was thinking, well, that kind of looks similar to to things that we've done at home at times. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not blaming it all on, on on a section of support who you know struggle with maybe I the think concept it's name and shame. <coughs> name and shame. Yeah. Um, but next no. time you're match hey, mate, what's your name? So yeah, it's yeah. like a name and shame. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I'll have a long list. Um, <laughs> I, but uh, yeah, there's, there's like like Tom saying. I think there is a, a psychological issue, um, and at times, you know, without you know, we're in the bottom half of the table in a, in a bad bottom half of the table because we haven't got a lot of qual- yeah. like a lot of quality, yeah. and we struggle to break teams down. Yeah. It's just. This this home form's going back to Martin O'Neill's time as well, mind yeah. you know, and it's uh, obviously it's happened years ago, but like in, in recent times, it goes back to Martin O'Neill. We've had the Canio now. We've got sort of Gus who you know, done a great job, but our best results seem to have been mm. like a lot of them away from home in the league. When you look at those, you know, the fact we had one point after seven games to be where we are now, I know it's disappointing to be back in the bottom three after last night. We didn't, you know, it was probably unlikely we'd get a result in Man City, but yeah. but it was in our hands. And sort of like after that elation of the beating Newcastle, getting to the cup final, two wins in a row in the league, um, getting up to mid-table, seems a little bit cruel that we've found ourselves batting the bottom three almost immediately. So mm, that's, yeah. I think that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, well, we are going to talk about that particular uh, in particular after we speak to hopefully Sam Dobson, who's going to talk to us about Southampton, and that's coming up next. <laughs> We are joined by Sam Dobson on the line now, who has his own website, saintshub.com, if you want to go and check that out before the match, if you feel inclined to do that. Um, we normally have Ben Stanfield on, um, and he's busy this week, but so it's it's a bit refreshing for our listeners to listen to a different voice, saying this is about the ninth time we've played Southampton this season. Um, Sam, I noticed in your, your Twitter profile, you haven't missed an away game since 2006, is that right? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. That's some dedication. So the twelve forty-five yeah. kickoff again. How we're feeling about that? Um, yeah, I would prefer it to, to be at a different time. To be honest, early start. But you know, there you go. Mm-hmm. How do you? How would a cup run feel for Southampton then? Because obviously, you know, you you know where neither relegation uh, battle neither bottom. We played you in a League Cup game, obviously, and you put a, a weakened team out in that game. How's it likely mm-hmm. to be this time around? Yeah, I think we're going to take this one a lot more seriously. Um, you know, the, the last two rounds we named pretty much a full-strength squad. Um, I suspect there will be a couple of changes. Um, Nathaniel Klein and Victor Wanyama, I think, will come in. But apart from that, I think, you know, there's like you said, there's no reason why we shouldn't go for it. We're pretty much assured of being um, either eighth or ninth this season. So, you know, we really should go all out for it. So when you're looking at the, the sort of trio, Lalana, Lambert, Rodriguez, who are really providing the attack and threat for Southampton, they're all likely to play, yeah? Uh, I think so, at least two of them. They, I think there's a small chance um, my young striker Sam Gallagher might play, but um, it's probably most likely going to be those three, I think. OK, 
kind of throws my question a little bit because I, <laughs> I was going to ask if replacements coming in for these people would, would just fit straight into the system if if it was embedded that much. Craig, talking about Sunderland, Gus is going to make changes. He's already said he's going to make changes. I know we keep saying it about players like Seb Larson. <laughs> is, is it his time now? He really, really needs to sort of make a case for himself here, doesn't he? Same here, good. But he's got to take Not this, quite. He's, he's got to make this an opportunity for himself, hasn't he? Yeah, Tom's face was a picture there. I know he's a, what a, huge, of a huge Seb fan over here. I, I mean, look, he's, he's, Southampton will come at us. They play a really nice style of football. They keep the ball. The league game recently that bossed us for half an hour could have been 5 or 6 nil up. Um, Larson's usually quite good in those games. If he's good in any game... It's at the reactive stuff, and he'll put a. He sort of reads the game a bit. I don't know. He's not. He's not going to offer you a great deal going forward. He's too slow. We know that. We've seen him enough times. If there's a pass on. He'll there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It'll take half an hour to make it, and the, the pass isn't there anymore. That isn't going to change. He just—he was what twenty-seven years old. That is—that isn't going to change in his game now. Um, so yeah, we'll have another look at him. It'll give other players a chance to recover for the next game in the league. But other than that, I'm, somebody like Larson, it, I can't see him probably being here next season anyway. Now, mm, how many changes do you think he made though, Garth? He's—he's li- he's likely to play like Catamol. You would have thought. Well, I think Catamol. Might well come in for Col. We might try. We might try Bridcut and Catamore. Bread cut um, <clears throat> especially considering how well. I mean, Southampton when we played them in the league were the best team we've seen at the stadium this season. That first half hour couldn't get the ball from the first ten minutes. Um, so in that situation, those two, you know, pressing them, getting in, getting a foot in, nicking the ball away, and then trying to trying to hold it because we couldn't hold it when we played them last time. Um, and then obviously he said Jack Arini will play. So will he come in for? For Barini, maybe will he come in for for um, for uh, Johnson? Will he rest Johnson? I don't know. Will he play Barini through the middle and bring Jack Arini in? Well, he said he's going to play Scott Rowe as well. So if he's going to play Scott Rowe and Jack Arini, then you know Barini or or Altidore or Johnson is going to have to miss out. So would he not just put those two in for Johnson and Barini? You think? Who's? I think Scott Rowe will play through the middle. Will he? I think so. We'll see. This, that's that's a bit of a debate, Craig, isn't it? Because people aren't sure about this. We spoke to people who said he plays through the middle. That's why he played for News All Boys and stuff. But Poyet's hinted that he, it, he, it's he, hard he, to tell. Yeah, uh, he, he seems like he could be an alternative for Barini in some respect. I do think he could Poyet play through the middle. Spoke about him playing against Stoke, being an ideal substitute to play in between the lines. So what? What in some kind of like attacking midfield role, perhaps? Well, not probably just Barini Johnson. Role. Yeah, well, in that case, I mean, you could see him doing that. I, I do think he would be useful through the middle, I, I, sort of a bit, almost tight. I, I'm, I'm not having a go at Altidore or Fletcher before him or anything, but it, it would be nice to see a different type of player mm. in the middle, just to see what it would work like, a bit more yeah. fluency, perhaps. Anything you're hoping for, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got a feeling he might give uh, Wickham a run out on Saturday, but um, I would like to see him play Barini or Scotto in the what I would call after last Saturday the Shane Long role. Um, I thought the way Shane Long worked our defence um, with his mobility and his athleticism, I'd like to see um, Barini and, and Scotto become our um, Suarez and Sturridge, if that's possible. And I think that's the way long term that uh, Poyet might go. Do, he'll do away with a, a big target man. And he'll go to like literally. Every, I mean, everything's on the floor at the moment, apart from when it goes up the Walty door when we need a let out. 
Um, mm. but I, I, I so think you think this is a game when he can start trying these combinations? Because we mentioned Catamol Bridcut there, and you think Scott Gobrini could be another one? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I'd like to say that. Is there any particular sort of threat, do you think? Uh, you know, obviously we got back into the game, Sam, uh, last time, you know, you were 2 0 up and cruising. We nicked that, we nicked that goal, <coughs> and then we played all right in the second half and managed to get the equaliser through Johnson. Um, obviously, we'll be playing a similar team to, to to who we played in that game, I'd imagine. You know, is there is anything that Southampton supporters maybe took away from it, or stuff in the media that you took away from that? Is that something that you you commonly wary of getting in front and, and losing leads or being under the pressure of losing the lead? Yeah. We, we have kind of been guilty of being um, quite wasteful in front of goals, um, and we certainly were that day. Um, yeah, I, I think um, I, th- I think Cole, Coleback and Gardner made a real difference when they came on for Sunderland. I think up until that point, um, Cork and Schneidlin really like controlled the midfield, but that was kind of the turning point. And by the end, we were kind of lucky to hold on. But it was a weird game, really. But um, I'm interested in like the sort of Osvaldo situation there where what what did you make of him while he was there I, I take it you don't think he'll come back but I don't actually no. think he really contributed a great deal while he played for you anyway and I don't know I haven't seen that much of him but I don't think Wanyama really improves your side either I can see what his role's supposed to be but I don't think you you sort of need him am I right in thinking um, that? Osvaldo he kind of he started okay then he got injured he came back and he had a few kind of underwhelming games but then at the start of December he kind of looked looked like he was turning it around he scored that incredible goal against Man City he scored a few others but then he got suspended for a ball at Newcastle he um, supposedly had an illness over Christmas and then he was due to come back and he had that in- incident with Fonte and then yeah I, I think he really could have been I really wanted him to succeed I liked him as a player but you know so much of our success has been built on I think genuine team spirit and you know, even if he is at his best, it's probably not worth having such a disruptive influence in the team. So it's interesting when you say that, <clears throat> because you look at Southampton, they're kind of being pitched as this like model for the saviour of English football, and you know you've you've spent a lot of the mon- the players you spent a lot of money on in in, in Osvaldo and in Wanyama, like Craig said there. From what he's seen, he sort of thinks you can get by without Wanyama, and that's you know his opinion up for debate or whatever. And then you know Osvaldo came in, and he's gone as you know in three months really. So just goes to show maybe you don't have to spend all that mm. money to. I, I think you know. I think Van, Wanyama's been pretty good. He's he's um, we've not really missed him because Jack Cork's kind of come in and done such a good job in his absence and. I think a lot of people don't like him because he can't. He can't really pass. He gives the ball away a lot, which frustrates <laughs> we, people. We but, he's, <laughs> but he's um, he's such a kind of he's so strong, strong, and he's. I think he really did help us out defensively early on. But he kept, he he was injured for a while. He came back against Fulham, and he was really awful. He got subbed at half time. But I I still think he's a big asset for us. Simon, could I just ask you what the situation is at Southampton since you lost your director of football and there was all the sort of political shenanigans behind the scenes um, and, and veiled threats from the manager that he may leave and then when he when he did say something he didn't sort of suggest that he might be here after the end of the season? Is it, what, What's the feeling down there at the moment and what's going on? Um, I'm still, I still kind of up in the air. I don't, we, we know so little about the levers that it's kind of difficult to say what's going to happen in the summer. Uh, everything's pretty calm at the moment because none of our none of the players we wanted to keep have gone so it was always going to run along smoothly to the summer but I, I don't know I, I think a lot of like the manager and a lot of players did genuinely buy into Cortese's kind of vision so it'll be interesting to see if they still do and there's no reason why they shouldn't but is it just yeah. onwards and upwards for you now, Sam, for Southampton, do you think? Like, uh, um, Craig mentioned now, Gareth, that they've the, the sort of been the pin-up side for for the rest of the mid-table side some, to sort of, you know, base themselves on, really, and model themselves on. That must be a good feeling from where you were a few years ago. Oh, yeah, I, you could never imagine it, like, three, of, like four or five years ago. I mean, it's definitely the best team of, in my lifetime. Um, just playing really good football, so many good young players in. 
So, mm. I love it. I think we, you know, I wish we had more insightful questions to ask you, Sam. But the truth is, we we've done this podcast for about a year, and I think Ben's guessed it about seven times now. <laughs> so I think we, we know just about everything we yeah. need to know about Southampton. So I think we'll just go around and and, and get score predictions from people. Really, Gareth, I'll start with you. I'm going to say draw. Oh, that's the last thing we need. <laughs> Is that it? Just a draw. Not specifics? Uh, no, just I just think it'll be a draw. <laughs> I've got a feeling if they play a full strength side or as close to one as they can, um, that we might actually lose the game. If we're making these changes, it might be a bit experimental. Like we'd see us losing a 3-1. Right. Okay, Tom? Um, I, I think we'll win the game by a small margin. Just I, th- I think we'll learn a lot of lessons uh, in the last game. And I think when... Southampton conceded the first goal and, and, and especially with the, the double substitution that Simon's already uh, mentioned um, I, you know I, I think we'll look at a different team so I'm, I'm going to go home advantage 2-1 mm, I, I instinctively think a draw as well but I don't want to say it so I, I think we'll take a defeat on the chin Sam what do you think the score's going to be? <laughs> oh I, yeah I, I kind of think it might go to a replay as well and maybe we'll just nick it at St Mary's but they're always pretty close the games between us so if you're still in the hat, I guess, for the quarter final, it's uh, <coughs> but getting getting to Wembley brings its own problems. I'm sure you as you are, uh, team me. God, our football the- fans are miserable. Uh, I did warn people at the very start of the podcast. The content was a bit thin on the ground this week. We've played Southampton that many times. I think everybody's just a bit bored of uh, of discussing them. Really, well, you know, we, we we've heard it all, haven't we? And then uh, Hull, you can't really draw much from, and Man City was a non-starter. But I just want to something you were using the account for Gareth on Twitter to tell people just not to panic. Um, I wouldn't mind finishing, you know, on the, a lot all right, of, okay. on, on, on that front, just to sort of because you know, I mean, for example, when when we lost to Aston Villa on New Year's Day. Nothing anybody could have said to me that night would have persuaded me that Sunderland were going to stay up at that point. You know, a month and a little bit later, we're in a cup final, we're beating Newcastle, we're flying up the table. So just because we're back in the bottom three doesn't mean we're doomed again, does it? Well, I had this had this conversation with Craig before actually about I was after I think it was West Ham away was and we Craig doomed, a doom monger. Yeah, yeah, was West Ham away nil nil and Craig like people because I mean his points were valid saying we're lacking quality and. Where we're going to, where the wind's going to come from, where the points going to come from. That's f- fair enough, because I was my argument was was, you know, there's plenty of time to go. Um, but he was saying, well, we've we've shown that in this period of time that we're not getting results. That's a perfectly valid, you know, viewpoint. But I was just saying, see where we are, start of February. See where we are, start of February. We're in the bottom three, but <laughs> but it's not as it's not a you know the. We had eleven points after that West Ham game for that draw, but something like what, that. Thirteen what, points. What or that proves as well is, um, I mean, some of your argument was probably we have Villa at home, we have Norwich at home, we have exactly. Hull at home. Oh yeah. Know? So, th- but if anything, that proves you are going to pick up points, Tom, where you don't expect them. I think the fact that West Brom drew with Chelsea and they drew with Liverpool recently, and people saying, "Oh no, look, it's not going for us." Fulham drew with Man United, but is that not just proof that? you can pick up points from these sides yeah absolutely I think there's 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 literally hundreds of factors in play at the moment um, you know we've got 39 points left to play for and we need probably well say, say 16 to steal that would give you the magic with 40 points but I think someone will steal with, with less than that maybe mm. 37, 38 I think it might be less um, than that and yeah quite possibly I think when you look around at some of the other clubs as well, you know, there's um, Norwich have got an absolutely horrendous running. Um, Mullerstein's under immense pressure at Fulham because he was supposed to, you know, going to be working some sort of magic spell and it's just not happening for them. Even, you know, they've played quite well the last two games, but they've took one point out of six. Um, you've got the scenario at Cardiff where uh, Gunnar Solskjaer's come from, you know, probably a, a league that's less than the equivalent of Scotland and he's won one game so far. He's brought a couple of players in, you know, like Sahar and Jones, but you, you just don't really know what you'll get from them. Uh, they've got a chairman who's as mad as the proverbial hatter. Um, <laughs> and there's just like loads of things going on at the bottom. And, you know, I think we're right to talk about our home form potentially becoming psychological. But I think conversely, there's a lot of other clubs who are, who are in trouble as well. I mean, West Brom are bombing, really, aren't they, compared to where, the way they started the season? Four wins. Yeah. Two, two of them in a row, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, so there's there is there's just lot all season, you mean? Yeah, four wins all really? season, and one of them was against us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, West Brom have drawn twelve games this season, um, 
which is sort of just keeping the head above water. But I, th- I think our situation isn't perfect. We've got to do a lot better at home. Um, but other clubs have got their own mm. worries as well. Yeah. I think I think what, what we might have in our favour as well is, <clears throat> you know, I know, I know I mentioned about the you know the home crowd and stuff, but I mean generally there's quite a positive feeling about the club at the moment. Obviously with the with the, with the cup final, which is great, but more about I think you know about Poyet. I think absolutely he's been you know a revelation really. I think he's been superb, and I think no matter what happens this season. We've really got something there to to look forward to because you know I think I think you can. I think it's the first you know, time. Real Craig, it's a good point that Craig isn't it? Because the first time as a Sunderland fan we've been involved in a relegation. Now, no, it isn't the first time we've been involved. <laughs> if you let me what? finish, if you let me finish, <laughs> if you let me finish, it's the first time we've been involved in a relegation battle where I don't feel too disillusioned about what is in the future should the worst case scenario happen, and that's down to Gus Poyet. The, the only thing would be if we went down if somebody else in the Premier don't League took, took a look at him that. and thought nah, I'd like the look at him and, and took him off, off our hands yeah. if we went down we're a big enough club to come back up I know other clubs haven't like Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday etc but financially with a lot of these higher earners going off the wage bill this summer you get the feeling we'll probably be in a decent financial position and you would like to think we'd be in a position to come back up that's worst case scenario obviously if we go down I suppose you're right about the feel-good factor, Gareth, but other clubs who have made the League Cup final, and you think about the way they've tailed off afterwards, is that a worry, or is it just specific to those clubs? Or, you know, Loudrop had Swansea playing some good football, they won the League Cup, and that was it. They had nothing really to play for, but other clubs like Birmingham, all right, they had you know Alex McLeish in charge, so there's a massive yeah, problem for them but they, went, fly, they were flying, yeah. they weren't flying, but they were doing more than yeah. okay, And they, they dropped a massive amount before... Like getting relegated, so I suppose that's sort of in the back of your mind as well. But also, Tom, I think is it relevant that we've been we've been playing catch up all season anyway, like psychologically? Because you just mentioned the fact um, you just mentioned Fulham and Cardiff there. Both sides seem to be struggling since they fell into the bottom three. Now yeah. it shouldn't be as much of an issue with us because we've been looking ahead of us more season anyway. Well, we've only been out of the relegation zone one game. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a slow, painful season. It was those, you know, I think when Poirier came, we got one point out at twenty one, and then we got tanked four 0 at Swansea, and it, you know, it was just like your ultimate nightmare. Because before the season started, everybody was was full of it. You know, we weren't expecting to really pull up any trees, but we thought, you know, maybe I don't know, ninth or tenth would have been quite comfortable, and it just just started so disastrously. And then there was all the, the sort of fallout with De Canio. Um Poirier's coming; he's done like an absolutely miraculous job, and I just hope that. Ellis short behind the scenes, although they're not going, never going to cut. There's too much going on at the moment for them to come out in the public arena and say it. But I hope Ellis short saying to, to, to Gus behind the scenes, I, I want you to stay and, and give this club five years, um, and I'm going to give you such and such a contract to preempt the situation. Because, like Craig's already uh, hinted at, there will be other clubs who'll, who'll be watching him. Some some good clubs as well. Watch what he's done at Sunderland. Because even if we were to get relegated, it'll only be by the skin of our teeth. And he's got us to a cup final. Um, and the other, the biggest thing in all of it, as well as I, I can't believe how he's implemented the playing style yeah, exactly. so quickly. Um, I thought he would With the do group it. of players, he had yeah, as well. I thought he would be able to do it. Um, you know, maybe by the start of next season, when he'd had a full pre-season friendlies and stuff. But uh, to do it within a matter of weeks is just phenomenal, really. And it's next. It, ex- Sort of exposes David Moyes' excuses, doesn't, <laughs> it? Hmm. doesn't it? About the tr- about the transition. Close, close at home as well. It's, you know, exposes. I mean, the Canio even more to come out and make comments like he did the other mm. week, saying that basically he was too good for the players. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. Poyet's come in, and he's, you know, he's not only was pragmatic at the start to get the result he needed. He that managed was the to key implement, thing, wasn't it? Yeah, implemented his style, and then now now we're playing. The way he wants to play week in, week out. He's getting options yeah. in the squad. And I think that's something maybe we could look at if we want to be positive about the home situation. If you look at the hurdles he's had to overcome in every stage of his short something career up to now, he's he's overcome them but gradually. It's been a baby step thing. There wasn't the initial, you know, the new manager bounce, really. Um, you know, it's just been a, a, a you know, progressive... Thing and now you know maybe he's got this new this obstacle and he's got to find a way to overcome it and yeah. you know, I'm confident that he'll be able to do it. I think the thing is as well he's done it without you know 
main sort of central striking force. Altidore, unfortunately, he's, he's had a couple of good games recently against Stoke and Newcastle, but the bottom line is he mm. doesn't score goals, and that's yeah. a big hindrance to the team. Um, it's all right, people saying we'll get them from other areas, but I think a centre forward of his ilk should be getting us at least between 8 and 12 goals a season, mm-hmm. at least. Um, he's also had problems with Fletcher, you know, who cost us 12 million quid and was seen as a sort of focal point for a good few years ahead. And what's going on there, nobody knows. You know, whether it's injuries, whether it's his attitude, I don't know. But they're saying he's going to be fit for the for the final against Man City. And he could be, a, you know, a potential dark horse to come in and, and get us a few goals at the end of the season because we have seen that he can be decent. Mm. But just his general demeanour this season suggests that there's something wrong. He's either unhappy at being played when he's not fit, um, or, or he's struggling somewhere else in his life. I don't know what it is with him, but he just uh, isn't what he should be. Well, it's when you mention like Scott or Barini, maybe using those together with Johnson in some kind of yeah. front three. That's what's like interesting and potentially exciting. I hope, he does, I hope he does that again. Well, it would be nice, wouldn't yeah. it? Because you've you've seen out the door, and he doesn't fit the system. He may have attributes that are good, yeah. you know, but they don't seem to fit the way Poyet wants to play. I think Fletcher's similar. He, he might not be good at winning flick-ons and headers mm. from long balls, but he's great at getting on the end of crosses. Yeah. Now, that ain't going to happen at Sunderland yeah. the way Poyet plays football. Yeah. However, someone like Scott Oberini, Johnson, mm. the clever players, the mm. skillful, they've got a great first touch. Those three interchanging. Yeah. And it might stop us playing it long. Yeah, you yeah. know, I agree. I, I, I do think Fletcher's got the ability to play in, in a Poirier type. I think he's got quite a nice touch and you know good technique. But mm. uh, unfortunately, we haven't seen much of it this season. No. And I'm just you know I want whatever's going on with him at the moment would be nice if it could be eradicated because he could be a, a big player in the running. Could be like the the old uh, sort of cliche like new signing type of thing, yeah, couldn't it? Absolutely. You know, we just throw him in for the last <clears> ten <throat> games or whatever. But he's been out. I mean, regards to Fletcher, he's, he's been out of form for. Like an injured for a long time. Mm. He's that's, not, it's that's not an just issue, a, it's not just a new thing. I mean, yeah. after that Wigan away game under O'Neill, it's the first half of the season. Um, wasn't it? He, he's yeah. he's he he pretty poor, um, and he had like a couple of barren runs after mm. his initial spurt of goals. So yeah. there's an issue there, yeah. whatever that may be. Under O'Neill, in fairness to him, yeah. though, I mean, that, he was probably you know a thankless task, yeah. you mm. know, playing in that but you know yeah, negative I mean, system. Yeah, I think. Tom made an interesting point about you never know what goes on because the first half a year he played he had a smile on his face that's the difference yeah. you haven't seen that in a while have you new, cl- yeah. new, new sign in it but like new the, I syndrome the Scott, the Scott Hall thing's <laughs> yeah. a, a really good point and like I can't remember yeah. if it was Tom I, I think you both touched on it but you, I think it was you saying about the Craig about the um, fact that he could be playing um, a different it'd be nice to see a different one up there a different that's kind it. of well, a different I, kind of player and yeah. talking about Poyet's system this is the he signed. That's the only striker he signed. Um, in the in the squad, so you know he signed players in other positions because he wants them to play a certain way. Yeah, he wants them to do certain things. Yeah. you know he had no qualms about bringing Virginia in and then putting them straight in. Yeah, he had no qualms about putting Bridgood straight in. Yeah, and then you got this Scott Rowe he's brought in. Yeah. maybe if he's got a vision to how he can utilize him and and, and you know. YouTube and all that, but he obviously can. You know, he's got a good strike on him. He's clever, quick. Well, if Poyet did sell, um, sell the sort of project, if you like, to him by saying we play like Newell's old boys, which apparently said he played up front for them. That was his role, and he scored yeah. an absolute heartful. And it's the only club and the only period in his career where he scored on that kind they of prolific ratio. Yeah. He never, he's never done it wherever else he's been. Um, and they, I mean, the, you know, the play. In exactly the same style with a split centre back. So yeah. you look at the striker. Sorry, Tom. I was just going to say, with due respect to Walter as well, he's not going to score less. You know. Yeah. I mean, Walter may still have his role in certain positions. You know, certain situations. Mm. Um, and as I say, he did play fantastically well against Newcastle and Stoke. But it, it's, I thought it's, against Hull as well. Too, yeah, 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 I just think it's too indifferent. Um, I'd I beg to differ a little bit with the whole game. I thought there was too many times when the ball was was hit at a reasonable pace where it was just bouncing off him. And mm. I think he, he wasn't the only one, mind who needed to like up his game against Hull. I still think we we felt sorry for ourselves too much in that game. I know, you know, we're going for eighty-five minutes um, with, with ten men, but very often when you play with ten men, it doesn't really get noticed. In fact, we played better with nine men in the second half down there than yeah. we did at home. Well, I mean, I know Everton are a better side than us, but arguably we're a better side than Hull. And I know we beat Everton 1-0, but I think Everton with 10 men against us were better than we yeah. were with 10 men against Hull, yeah. as, a, as a comparison. We yeah. were severely, like, like a wounded, severe wounded, severely wounded animal at the time, though, weren't we? I'll yeah. get my words mm. out yeah. eventually. Right, Gareth's got a couple of things to finish on. Um, 
<coughs> yeah, um, so there's no question of the week this week, but next week um, we will be having a question of the week. Um, I think I've pretty much decided what it's going to be, um, but I'll, we'll be announced on Twitter in the next few days, um, and what they'll be themed to the um, what we've, we've set up a basically a, a, a deal with Campo Retro. Um, who prov- who provide replica shirts, um, retro replica shirts, and obviously before the cup final, it's a popular choice to buy a retro shirt because it's timeless. You can get yourself a retro shirt and go to the match and have, might not have a sponsor on or whatever, so you know you'll have that forever. Um, and we're going to do a competition with them where you'll be able to win a personalised, um, so name and number on the back of it. Be too late for Wembley to go and get the Wembley ones now. Yeah, well, it, well, well you probably get it, you'd probably get it delivered in time, but on the subject of that, Stephen. Yeah, on the subject of that, Stephen. Yeah, um, at the moment, until tomorrow, which is the fourteenth, if you listen to this after the fourteenth, the code won't work. If you go on the website and you type in "love ten, um, you will get ten percent off your purchase. So it's pretty good. I mean, the shirt's pretty good. I mean, oh, we 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 discussed it bef- before, oh, I mean, and then, yeah, absolutely, we're gonna definitely so right. go on and. Check it, check it out and check it out. You've already checked out quite literally because yeah. you've bought one. <laughs> so I, so I, so utilize that opportunity to buy a retro shirt from Campo Retro, um, and there'll be a free one next week for the winner of the question of the week. So get your thinking caps on um, when the question comes out. And uh, the ISIS thing, the live podcast, twenty seventh of February. There's only six tickets remaining, and they are all in the pub. So go in the ISIS, have a pint, and then uh, buy a ticket. Or two, or three, or four, or five, or six. If you're feeling uh, particularly generous, and you've got <laughs> more friends than me, mm. right. it? or go yeah. to the match on Saturday as well. See There's loads Scott of tickets left. Scott, oh, yeah. Go and watch Scott. Oh, you know, and be thankful that Wes Brown's only got a two-match ban. Mm. Well, if he does it. <laughs> he does what he did on the Saturday in the mm. cup final and against Norwich. Yeah. But if he plays like he did against everyone else, Aye. then we'll yeah, be yeah, laughing. Exactly. Aye. Aye. And Aye. it makes O'Shea a totally different player when he exactly. plays yeah. as well. Right. Okay, I'm going to go home and hopefully uh, there's not a new arrival <laughs> yet that uh, came along with it, with me being here. Sorry for sounding a bit, a little bit shambolic, a little bit light in the ground. We've done 50 minutes actually; it hasn't been too bad. <coughs> Gareth stretched the uh, stretched the last 10 minutes out. Thank him for that because my stretched head the last 10 minutes out. Yeah, so it's not 10 minutes. My head wasn't in the room at all. It's still not by the sounds of it. Right. Okay. Um, hopefully we'll progress in the cup. If not, we we'll get beat because I don't want to draw. I don't think anybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. Over now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.